0: There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. This is your first time to the show. Welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. I am so glad to have Herbert Reiniger who is the license holder at TEDxPSU, which stands for Penn State University. Herbert, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's really a great honor to, to be here. Oh, well, uh, the honor's mine. You've, you've been doing TEDx since the you were in the first hundred, weren't you? Uh, possibly. We
1: started in 2010.
0: Yes. Now, have have you been going to TED? Have I seen you at the main TED event?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. Ah, <clears throat> uh-huh. yes, I knew it. I, yes, I have been at TED Summit and TEDx Summit in Doha. How about that? Oh yes, yes. So I I love that.
0: You um, what? Tell me your first TED experience. What was it that
1: got you hooked? Well, that was actually before TEDx. It's very interesting little snippets that I like to share because. Uh, As soon as uh, Ted, Chris, you know, Chris Anderson put all these wonderful TED Talks out there for everybody to see. In 2006. Yes. I got hooked and I could not help myself. So when I started working at Penn State, I thought I need to share that with people. So I invented this little lunch hour and I called it TED Talk and a Pizza. That means I got hold of a little uh, funds from from one of my superiors, and I ordered pizza, and I sent an invitation to everybody who had time to to watch with me one TED Talk. And then after the talk, I facilitated a conversation about it. Wow. Uh, it usually was a talk that, that sort of related to our culture or right. issues we have had at that moment, and people really loved it. And that started in 2008, and I did it for a good year and a half, and then in 2010, I remember. So this is a real, this is the real answer to your question: <laughs> Where did I get hooked? Uh, in 2010, one alum from Penn State who had just graduated came back and and rounded up a few people and said, Hey, we have to do this TEDx thing. Oh, uh no. who's that? Who that? That was Steve Gajulo. Oh yeah. It's good good you old Steve. It. Yeah, he's gonna be on the yes. show here in a couple of weeks. Oh good. Yeah well, say hi for me. I, I will. <laughs> yeah. So we we did the first TEDx event oh, at Penn State. My gosh. And it was—it's lovely memories because we didn't really know what we were doing in those days. <laughs> <laughs> neither, neither did we. We started in <laughs> 2010
0: too, so yeah, it's right. So that's how it started, and it oh. never stopped. And and so, how many Tedx's have you done then? So have you been every
1: year since then? Yeah. So we have done seven Tedx PSU events. Yes, but uh, Steve left for. Can I say a company name here? Sure,
0: he went to Johnson & Johnson. He's gonna, we're gonna talk to him about doing corporate TEDx events.
1: And I helped him to do the first three of these. Now, As you know, as a creative director, as a creative director, my main thing is design. So I helped with, with design of three of these events. And I tell you, it's awesome to see the impact that TEDx has on a corporation of that size. But well, he will tell you more about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That. Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
0: now, w- one of the things as I'm talking, I, I just love my role because I got to talk to so many really interesting people. <laughs> one of the things I'm finding is that a lot of us organizers like to go to other TEDxs. Is that true yeah. with you?
1: Yes, absolutely. How many have you been to? Well, it's hard to say. I don't remember. I love to go to as many as I can. I also like to help new TEDx organizers around here to get started. So today, just uh, like three hours ago, I had a long call with with a university TEDx organizer who is just starting and is all scared and does the red tape legal thing and everything. And so I say, you know, don't worry so much. Uh, just go ahead and do it. This is how we all do it and figure out the issues later on as they arise.
0: How, how did he find you?
1: Uh, he came actually to our uh, recent event in February right. and uh, said, I want to learn from you. I want to learn. And oh. so he shadowed us. Oh, nice. And that was a cool idea and, uh, you know, the speaker coaching and the last day before right. the event but, and all right. this excitement. But. So that was good, actually. How many people uh, attend your event? Well, the last event we had roughly 800 in person. Okay, now you're going to tell me how and many you had online. 2,000. Oh, my God. 2,000 online from 46 countries. Oh, I love that. I love that. That that's one of the great things about
0: this, right? Is the those of us yeah. that have figured out how to live stream uh, to yes. be able to do that. I um, in our TEDx Santa Barbara last August, I was coaching the uh, TEDx Cal Poly guys, and, mm. we, and they came and shadowed, and then we work with TEDx Camarillo, which is south of us, and we brought them up to shadow. And nice. the the fun thing as a TEDx organizer as you know when you go visit another one you get an automatic backstage pass right so you kind of get to wander and help and <laughs> be behind the scenes and that's what i like i'm i'm a terrible audience member
1: i i need to be behind the curtain well can i can i just add to that this Please. is very uh, I just would like to add this one thing sure. as say backstage pass. Well, we have amped that a little bit because we have curated a relationship uh, between TEDx PSU and TEDx Mid-Atlantic. And uh, it happens that TEDx Mid-Atlantic is always before our main event. Oh. And so our entire team, this is students, right? It's a university event. Right, right. So, for them, it's the first thing they see a big event, two days, so many speakers, and they are all backstage and they become volunteers, they help, and suddenly, they have a much better understanding what they are actually working on how and how how
0: much in advance of your event is mid atlantic? Uh,
1: it's about three months in advance so, so
0: good, so that's that yeah that's an ample amount of time. Okay. Uh, for them, you know, mm-hmm. I I interviewed um, a nineteen-year-old who did TEDx Salinas. Wow, and she's amazing. And mm. one of my questions is like, if if uh, I gave you a plane ticket to anywhere in the world, what TEDx would you want to go see? And you know where she wants to go? Mid- no, Atl- Mid Atlantic. Oh wow. And I said, well, <laughs> they're gonna hear about this and maybe you'll get an invitation, so stay tuned and check your mailbox. That's very cool. So it's funny that you that you bring that up. Yep. What, you know, you've been doing this nonstop now for several years, and there's not a lot of organizers that have done that. And And I know uh, that you're the faculty advisor and that your crew cycles out every year. So that's rather unique, right? But the brand is consistent, but the the team changes. Yes. What is it that makes your
1: event unique to PSU? Well, to PSU or in in comparison with other TEDx events? However
0: you you want to take that.
1: (laughs) Okay. So... Uh, first about my role as a licensee and advisor, of course, is much easier than if I were the curator in doing everything. Yeah, right? Because I know this is a pretty hefty assignment. So nonetheless, changing teams every year has provided in the first years to be rather difficult because you lose a lot of experience uh, every time. And you also bond with the people, of you course. know, and then they leave and they give you a hug and then oh, they yeah, move on. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's difficult. By now, we have managed to create a good body of expertise mm-hmm. and create that. And currently, right now, we are in the middle of the transition. So there is an old team and a new team already selected. And they are working together now for three weeks and transferring the entire body of knowledge from seven years, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, and avoid this and, and do that. Right. Uh, that's happening now, and from there, they should be good to go. And I will just guide them as necessary.
0: So it feels like the tribal elders passing the torch to the it is. kids, right? It it is i've got to imagine that you have also developed a very well-defined infrastructure in terms of document management and information and that kind of thing which really helps right the each generation that comes in yes very
1: true Uh, it's mostly on google docs and google drive really Right, And uh, we use collaboration tools like Slack to stay in touch and uh, it works really well. With,
0: um, you you said earlier that, you know, I love it. Your, your role as a licensee is you can, you just get to be the elder statesman who sits above and said, do this, do that, or go talk to this person. And and you (laughs) listener, I want you to know right now, as I'm looking at Herbert, he's smiling ear to ear. So he knows (laughs) what I'm saying. Um, now that you're in that position, I Mm. think that there's a superpower you must have, you know, now that you're the Obi-Wan Kenobi of uh, PSU. (laughs) If I were to say, is it organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, or partnering, which one of those would be your superpower?
1: I think it's my accent. (laughs) No, but seriously, it makes people pay attention, right? Uh, So with my accent, I speak a little bit slower, and it makes people pay attention. And, uh, you know, in general, I just love the energy of these young people. I I could hug all of them. They are so dear to me and we stay in touch right, and i write recommendations from them for them when they leave and i congratulate them when they get promotions i mean it's awesome really lovely
0: uh now i'm gonna guess are you uh, is it an austrian accent it is yes ah. well well ah. yes yes <laughs> lovely i'm my you know you do enough podcasting you uh you, you <laughs> kind of you get and, and then you get lucky so i think that one that one i got lucky you know in doing this for so many years and i it's kind of interesting because i'm just coming off of an interview with someone who had was on the ted stage at 16 and then on the ted international stage in, at 17 and then ran a tedx at 18 you have been wow. doing this now for you know 7 years and i wonder are there any surprises left What surprised
1: you in your February event? I think the quality and the passion of the speakers is a surprise actually year over year. And uh, now it's almost official, but when the TED Fest happens, it will be official. One thing happened this year that I, to my knowledge, has never ever happened in the TEDx world. What's that? And that is, one of our talks has been picked for TED.com before it even went live on our own website. Okay,
0: how did that happen? Because we we know as organizers, the holy grail for us is to get a talk on TED.com, right? I mean, that's what you you do, right? You want to have good quality, good content, great idea, great delivery, everything. So
1: tell me the story. Well... I met Frederica from TED sure. uh, at a TEDx weekend in Vienna. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we had a good time there. And, you know, there was a big tribe gathering, and I did a workshop on stage design there. And uh, in the bus on the way back, we happened to sit together and we're just sharing ideas. She was at that point fairly new at the TED headquarters, but we stayed in touch. And, uh, uh, Two or three weeks after our event, I think the video team had just uploaded all our talks, but nothing was live yet. Frederica (laughs) sent me an email and she said, you know what? I just peeked into your talks from your event and I love this one. And I I'm going to propose it to the content team. And very short after that, I got an email from Chris Hardy, who is the lead, uh, post-production lead, right? right? And uh, he said, we are excited about this talk, too, and we're going to work on it. Oh, my gosh. And this is just
0: in the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, in the last couple of days, actually. Weeks and days, Yeah.
0: Oh my and goodness. so
1: right now we're in the final stages and the green light is still all on. So I'm pretty confident it will happen. Oh, congratulations. In the next two
0: I, that, that's well, such I, an accomplishment. So, what, so what, just, what do you think I, it was? What do you think it was that made that? I mean, what, that, what could we
1: learn from that? I think uh, two things. It is the title of the talk. Oh. And, and don't pinch me it. just now. I can't remember it uh, but uh, So the title of the talk is something that we haven't paid too much attention so far We meaning our team right. and we will definitely pay more attention And the other thing is simply the the subject of the talk. So this is an bioethics professor at the university Right. So they're talking about, you know, how ethical is it to modify anything that's bio, right? And then oh, sure. when it comes to human, sure. yeah. So oh my uh, goodness. it's a very challenging conversation, right? Wow.
0: I, you know, I, I love that. And so th- that would definitely a big surprise when you got that email. Right from Freddie, Oh, and she's, oh imagine, my goodness!
1: Can you imagine the student team was all over the place? Oh, they I, they were bouncing off the walls. Yeah, because that's what they' working for, right?
0: Yeah, no, of course, exactly. I mean, they, you know, our job is to provide the the platform for these ideas to be launched out into the universe, and yes. that's why we do everything that we do. That's the only reason we do it. And <laughs> when one gets, you know, there's the TEDx stage, but then the TED stage is infinitely larger, right? and massive reach. Um, yes. And that's where you get into that. We we were fortunate enough to have one of our talks from 2011 get nice. pulled. And she mm. just broke 4 million views. Unbelievable. Um, yes. It's like crazy, right? You
1: know? Yeah, i love that it, it also changes the life of of those speakers oh you it? bet it does yeah right it makes
0: a, a yeah there's so many stories we, we've we done six events and there's just so many stories when we stay in touch with everyone where everything everything changed right on right. that on that day when <laughs> they walked into the red circle one of the things I, I'm always curious about is the challenges that we have to overcome. I, I like to think of them as dragons that we slay. Uh, <laughs> what what dragon continues to plague you now, seven years later? Well, uh, I think
1: we have a whole herd of dragons here <laughs> <laughs> at the university. Uh, uh, one is... Uh, literally, after so many years, to still find interesting speakers. Oh, because you know, uh, university has only that much of of uh, reservoir that you can tap into. We nice. also find funds to invite international speakers. For example, we had uh, a very acclaimed, world famous puppeteer oh, on the stage. How was that? Well, he he gave a talk, and he was marionetting his puppets. They were dancing and flying. Oh, wow! All kinds of things. Uh, he came from Brazil, and so talking about dragons, uh, this poor guy has not been reimbursed yet. Oh. Because somehow the bureaucracy at the university got in the way. This is an international travel. We should have approved it before. And uh, so this guy is still waiting to have his airfare and his hotel reimbursed. And that's a bit of an unfortunate thing, I guess. Yeah, those
0: are dragons we don't like. But I it, yeah. is, the, the, is the changing team every year a dragon or not a dragon?
1: It's not anymore. It's not been... Anymore. Uh, but because we found a way to sort of transition that in a meaningful way. Um, yesterday was the first meeting when the two teams were together. And the energy in the room was just through the roof. It How was, many on the team? Well, there were about 15 on both sides of the table. So about 30. Plus, and then,
0: So those are team leads, right? They're team captains,
1: right? So we call them executive team.
0: Executive. That's the executive team. And then how many do they have underneath each one of them?
1: Well, that varies. Uh, It depends. I would say, let's say if you do PR, then maybe there's a second person underneath that that focuses on social media. But if you look at the content team, so the people that curate speakers, there may be six or seven or more. Right. So it varies.
0: Now, do do those directors hire their own staff,
1: or is that something that the team does? Well, they do. They do, but if they have questions, they go back to the team. Right. And, of course, the curator has the
0: last word. Right, right. I, and the, the curator, so now, okay, here's a different question. Um, it's four-year college. So if someone comes in as a freshman, will, are they allowed to continue to work all four years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. Absolutely. So and that absolutely would be good, right? Yes, absolutely, because we have several of these throughout the years, and one of the things we have instituted is if somebody wants to be a curator, it should become from should come from a previous team at least once, so they don't start from a blank slate right. they have an idea how an, a, a, a part of a of an event runs right yeah, They may a exactly. content team or operations or anything because otherwise it's too difficult but uh, the younger the better honestly because <laughs> I, then I, it's, i'm oh, I'm
0: with you. I am. Yeah. I am absolutely with you. I I absolutely believe that. What, what? So now you've done this so often, and you deal with first timers, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. What? Right. What's the? What's that one piece of advice that, like, the, the first thing you tell them when you're level setting the new kids? And you do. You probably said it
1: yesterday. Yes, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing I told them is, if you commit now, think very carefully, because there is no going back. You cannot change your mind down the road. This is too important. So if you want to leave now, feel free. Nobody will be angry. Just quietly get up and walk out, and the world will just be fine.
0: I love that. There's no going back. <laughs> yeah, because what what and just help help the the person who's listening right now they they might be an organizer who's been doing it you know like us for for many years they Mm -hmm. may be a first-timer or there might be someone who's thinking about doing a TEDx they're like so they found this show and they said I'm gonna listen to the the, these you know old dogs talk about you know Mm -hmm. how how do they how do they do it when you say there's no going back what does that mean
1: uh it it means two things to me If you're really honest and passionate about this whole TEDx thing, right, and thing in quotation marks, then then honestly, uh, you don't want to go back, right? Right, So there isn't going back. But at the same time, if you're playing a team and you're interconnected with everything else, and three weeks before the show, you just decide, okay, that's not for me. That's a major disaster, right? So there is no going back on on any level. You can't.
0: And I've got to guess that you had a few key people drop out at key critical times in the past, and that advice was hard earned. Yes, that is very
1: true. Well, thank <laughs> you very much. You must speak from experience then. Huh?
0: <laughs> well, we, we we our advice and our policies in life only come up when we have to solve problems and we don't want that problem to happen again. So we go, okay, just, you know, if you're, if you're signing up, you know, maybe you don't get the ink, the permanent ink tattoo and you get it done in henna and see, see how you like being tattooed. Maybe uh, that's not like Ted is like a tattoo, but you know, there's, there's that. So with this new crew that's coming in for the next show, what are they most looking forward to? What do you, And what are you most looking forward to for
1: them? Well, uh, what they are looking forward, they have been primed already because all of them went through interviews. Okay. So that is one charge that the outgoing team has. The last charge is find your replacements. Oh. After closing out the event and all of this, the last thing they do is find a replacement. Right. So... There was a very intense interview process over the last two weeks, and the team has been found. So they already know what's what's coming down the pike, the date of the next event has been set, and now they're working on the theme. So they're already, they're, the wheels are already churning. Do right? you,
0: um, like, you know, part of it's, uh, some of the advice that we've got, I've been hearing is about keeping it fresh, don't be jaded. You know, you can, you know, after so many years, it's like same old, same old. It can't be that. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you kind of set a challenge to them to, you know, maybe go and look at the other talks and come and say, okay, Uh what are you going to do? How are you going to make this one the best one ever?
1: Do you do that? Well, that's a very interesting point. I had it in mind to do. Uh, We have two curators this year that's a first for us ah, one is on the speaker selection side and the other one is on the operation side and i wanted to say that in front of everybody and lo and behold one of the curators put forward the vision to the team and said you know what we have done this seven years this year we're going to do it different And here's what we're going to do. And one, two, three, four, five, A whole plan got laid out. I said, I have nothing to say here. That's awesome. That was, oh, wow. That's leadership, right? Yeah, it's great. I'm really looking forward. So they're not focusing on one event only. They're focusing on on small things leading up and small things winding down after that. So building community and all of it.
0: Oh, my gosh. I I love that. If... um, If I were to give you a plane ticket right now to any TEDx in the world, and I love that, I made you spit out your coffee. Fantastic. So I'm going to give you a plane ticket to anywhere in the world. I'm going to go get one of our plane partners to actually make this promise come true. What TEDx
1: would you like to go visit? Does it have to be a TEDx? Yes. Okay. So TED Global does not count, huh?
0: TED Global counts, sure. That's fine.
1: Okay. TED Global in Tanzania. Oh wow! Yes, I've never been in Africa. I, neither have I. That
0: that sounds. Uh... And now this nineteen-year-old I talked to is going to TED Global. She's figured oh, out okay. how to go, and I was like, "Oh wow! What a life-changing event that's going to be for her." Right? It is. It oh, is. My, my goodness. What the um the the other thing I want to ask you to do, please, is to. Send us uh, the, your Flickr photos, a link to your Flickr photos. Uh, we found mm-hmm. your site. Uh, if there's you know any like special video or things that you've done that you'd like uh, other people to see, we'll put them all in one spot uh, for That's them. It. And yeah. one of the things that uh, because the show is called "Hacking the Red Circle," uh, mm-hmm. it, if if we watch television, we think it's kind of like MacGyver, right? How do we? <laughs> How do we Uh take uh, very limited funds and produce a world-class event you know because you're a creative director how to make the stage look good and how to do you know with with not very much money right so what would so if you're uh talking and you are right now talking to hundreds of other uh, organizers on the show Mm -hmm. uh, what's your best hack
1: stage design literally because uh, we found providers that uh, rent out modular uh, items that are like uh, metal contraptions that get covered with with some kind of fabric and you can have them in any shape and then we put them on the stage create an atmosphere by uh, backlighting them with moving, slowly moving, lights oh. that express the mood of that session. And with very little money, you can create really fantastic uh, appearances on the stage that do not distract from the speaker. That's the hard
0: part, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Remember there was a TED event where they had this giant ship on the stage?
0: Yes, I remember and that. The speaker yeah. sort of was In Long very... Long
1: Beach. Exactly. And the speaker was very small in front. And I thought that's a bit too much because I want to focus on the speaker. Right. Right. And so right. We, we sort of removed everything that shouldn't be there. And whatever was left, we integrated into the atmosphere and feeling and uh, mood of, of a session. So it's very easy and
0: low cost. My f- one of, I mean, I love everything about producing our event, but one of the things I love is working with my set designer and he's yes. an architect and oh, cool. he does the Santa Barbara film festival and he does a couple of other events, but it's, it's, it's a hobby for him. It's not his thing, mm-hmm. but I come to him with a theme and say, Brit, I, I don't know what this looks like you have to figure out what it looks like. And we, you know, we've given him, uh, you know, the creative spark, uh, this year it's outside in. I said, I don't know what that looks like Uh that you get to figure that out. And he does, uh, he's very big on minimalist, uh, design and, Uh and light. Uh, we tried our first projection mapping where we, you know, projected on, he builds these, uh, frames out of, uh, out of tubular steel. And then we right. stretch uh, scrim on top of that. So, and that then sounds like what we, we have done uh, too. I'm, I want to, I can't wait to see one of the videos and see how you do. Yeah. Now, did you, do you change now? We're getting very technical here, listeners. So <laughs> pay attention. Uh, <laughs> do you, how
1: much emphasis do you put on lighting design? Oh, a lot. Because in the end of the day, it's, it's a black stage, right? To turn right. all the lights off, there's nothing there. Right. And then the speaker walks on the stage and the lights go on and you create an experience in the heads of people. And light is the only way to do that right. I mean, yep. shape, yep. yes, yep. of course, but the light is much more important. So we pay a lot of attention the days up to the event to really structure it with speakers: here's the sweet spot. If you walk out there, you may cast some shadow that may not look good on the video or your head goes dark because right, you're right, out right. of that light. And um, so yes, a lot of attention light because it is important. It's, um, my
0: background is in computer animation and everything is about lighting, <laughs> right? It's all, it's all about so lighting you know, and all it, the tricks that, In the early days of computer animation, it was working with set designers who knew Mm. how to light a set to make it look three-dimensional. And if you're doing 3D animation, as it turns out, the same tricks work in the virtual world, Herbert. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing uh, this time with us and uh, passing your wisdom off. I'm so on on behalf of all the students at PSU and all the people who have gotten to work with you over the years. I hope they take very, very good care of you and thank you and hug you and give you a lot of love.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It is a great pleasure to talk to the tribe. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Herbert. Bye bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.